Well, good morning, Exchange Church. My name is Pastor Mark, and once again, thank you for tuning in. My, me and my beautiful wife, Pastor Ellie, are the lead pastors here at Exchange, and we're just believing for God to speak to people today, to speak to you, to speak to you in your place. We believe that God's presence is in your atmosphere. We just need to tune in to where He is and what it is that He is saying. I believe I've got a God word for us today, and what a week, what a week it was. What a week we had, and uh, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of people who are kind of interpreting things very differently, and there's a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of chat, and I just really felt on my heart today to, to continue to stick to what I believe that God has been putting on my heart. Number one is this, is to speak to the foundation, not to talk about the symptoms of what's happening and what's going on, but to actually speak to the foundation, because if, if we speak to the foundation, then how many people know that the rest falls into place? When we get the foundation right, everything else flows and follows on from that. I'm not saying we put our heads in the sand and we don't have conversations, but it's the heart and the spirit from where those conversations come from and the way in which we interpret our perspective or our point of view, or even so much as our side of the aisle. And so my heart today is, is simply that, it's the number one, speak into the foundation and not just talk about the symptoms, but talk about the medication. I believe right now we need a love revolution. I, I'm gonna say this, I, I'm not claiming today that I have all the answers. I'm not claiming that this message will solve the problem, but what I am claiming is this, is I know where to look, and I don't know who to look to. Where to look is the Word of God, and who to look to is Jesus. A love letter called the Bible to us about truth that can set people free. And so I pray today that this message does reach across your TV screen or your platform, however you're watching it right now, into your heart and God speaks to you personally and we see some miracles in this country. We need a miracle right now. And so God, I just pray that this word would bless every single person. Lord, I pray, Lord, that what needs to be heard is received. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word, the truth of who you are sets people free. It's exciting, it means there's hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Well, as I started, uh, Social media for me this week was literally like a ping pong match. So when we first moved to America, those of you who don't know our story, we started out in Houston, Texas. Beautiful people, amazing. And right about the same time, they talked to us about, you need to start a, a, a Facebook account. I didn't even know what a Facebook was. So we did, and over time we collected a whole bunch of friends from Texas and then as our story continues, we eventually moved to California, to San Francisco Bay Area, and we started to make a lot of friends in the Bay Area. And we also collected a whole bunch of friends from the Bay Area. Now, this is my assumption, don't hold me to this, but it is my assumption that Texas is pretty much a, 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 a right-leaning state, uh, very conservative. and. California is maybe one of, if not the most uh, left-leaning state. And so there's very different political perspectives from each side of the aisle. So now, now we go to my social media platforms and I look through and I've got friends 
you know, there's a few Australians chucked there in the mix, and that's kind of funny as well. But when I scroll through my Facebook or my Instagram page or any of my social media platforms, I'm getting comments from as far out on the left as you want to go and as far out on the right as you want to go. And it has been literally a ping pong match between this person's opinion and this person's article. It's back and forward, back and forward. And I'm sure it must be like that for most of you who scroll through your social media page. You know, well-meaning people who believe that they're posting things that can help other people. And you know, it's, uh, it was challenging because I'd, I'd see an article, but then there was four articles to challenge that one particular article. And then as a spring off from those four articles, there were more rebuttal articles about this. And then there were news feeds, and then there were articles, and then there were stories, and then there were personal opinions. And it was ping pong, back, forward, back, forward. And it was, it led me to a point, I don't know what to trust. And so here I've got my, I've got my phone. And this is basically a whole bunch of information just coming at me. Information after article, after opinion, after perspective, after potentially even maybe someone's agenda and what they wanna push and what they wanna expose or reveal. And so it's coming at me. And I didn't know if I could trust it. But then I've got my Bible, good old fashioned Bible here. And uh, I would, th this Bible, I'm, I'm getting what's coming from the Bible in me. What I've realized is this, is I can't trust necessarily 100%. I'm sure there's things that, you know, there are true statements and truth claims that are made, uh, I'm sure. But I can't 100% trust everything that I see, read, or hear. But I know that I can 100% trust in the Word of God. I think this is that this phone is a whole bunch of information, but right here is a whole lot of foundation. I can stand on the foundation of the truth of God's word. I can trust this. In fact, I can let my heart go when I read scripture. And what I found is this, is sometimes in my life, maybe you've fallen victim to this as well, is that I put information and in what everyone else is saying, and I look at truth through the lens of what's coming out of my phone, rather than flipping that around, going to God first, and interpreting what information I'm getting from social media or wherever it is that I get my news from, from the platform and the foundation of scripture. You know, I, I think it's super important is that we get the right thing in the right place so that we don't fall victim to deception and we don't fall into the trap of missing out what it is that God says. That's why it's so crucial to speak to the foundation speak to the foundation. In fact, let's go to the foundation. Let's go to the word of God scripture right now. John 8 verse 2 to 12. It says this. This is the woman who was caught in adultery. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and when they had set her in his midst uh, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They, uh, this they said, testing him that they might 
have something of which to accuse him. Wow, that's fascinating. I want you to actually take a moment to soak that in, that scene. Let your imagination run wild. You're in church. It says that it was early in the morning, so it's the 8 a.m. acoustic service. And all of a sudden, some of the leaders bring in a woman during the message who has been caught sinning. And they throw her at Jesus' feet. That's the scene. And what are they trying to do? And it's really fascinating here what they're trying to do. They were trying to, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were trying to bring sin into the midst of Jesus to use that sin to try to unhinge truth, not knowing that Jesus is truth. And so they were trying to trap him with sin. They were using sin to catch him out. But let's continue. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, and this is profound, he who was without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And, then, uh, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing there in the mist. When Jesus had raised himself up, and he saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? He has, has no one condemned you? Uh, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have life, uh, shall have light of life. What an incredible passage of scripture. I believe that I can pretty much sum that passage up in one sentence, and it's this. Sin was placed at the feet of truth, and love cleared the room. What do I mean by that? Sin. Let's take all the characters, let's take all of the players off the table, all the personalities and the people that were in that passage of scripture. What took place? Sin was placed at the feet of truth. This truth, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. When sin was placed at the feet of truth, love cleared the room. I bet you they didn't expect that. I bet you they didn't expect the love of God to swoop down and then embrace that woman who was at her most vulnerable. And instead of getting what she deserved, she got the love of God. What an incredible story about how an example of a standard or a value that we should adhere to. I wonder, here's a question. When I think about myself, I wonder, I don't tweet a lot, obviously, I don't do a lot of Facebooking and Instagramming, but I wonder if my tweets would actually clear the room because of the love that's in them and silence the critics, silence the cynicism. I wonder if my Facebook page is clearing the room. Maybe I should ask a, in a more bolder way, a, a bolder question, does your social media platform uh, bring sin into the mist of the people that follow you. What are you posting? What are you saying in the public forum? What are you saying in the personal one-on-one -on -one encounters? Is love clearing the room? Or are we actually bringing and exposing other people's sin and putting it on the table? Which I'm not sure that we're supposed to do. John 3:17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, would, but that the world through him 
might be saved. Wow, he didn't come to condemn. He come to rescue and save. That's why Jesus came. And I wonder if the challenge is that we should have the same spirit of Christ is not to condemn the world, but to swoop down in love and see the world reconciled back to their heavenly father through the Christ, uh, through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have something, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know what, I realized this, and that's a paraphrased uh, ver version of that scripture there. Some of us, maybe at times in our life, we, we, we think we're doing the right thing. But let me show you, this is actually what we actually sound like. When we start posting things, thinking that we're reaching the other people on the other side. And yeah, and that, and that was just Facebook. Now let me do Instagram. We're going to touch you. We're going to see. And they got the truth. At least they got the truth, right? And so what happens this is that people don't actually genuinely... We don't, we don't reach them the way that we think that we're, we're reaching them. We sound like a banging symbol because what we share and what we say, the truth that we have is not done with a spirit of love. In fact, it's more from a, a anger or a, or a self-righteousness or a justice. I know I've fallen into this. We all somewhat seem to fall into this place. I don't know, uh, but I can hear right now, but, and it's a good point, but what about truth in love? It's a very good point and it needs to be talked about. And let's go straight to scripture to kind of understand the context of that statement. Truth and love. We're, we just we need to be truthful, right? We've got to share. Now that, that's taken from Ephesians 4. And when you break that passage down, we start, you know, let's we'll start it from Ephesians 4.11. It's the spiritual gifts and, and we're, you know, it's the, the five-fold ministry. And, and then it starts to talk about the purpose of those gifts. Those gifts are for the edification of the body. It's for the, it's for the edifying, the encouragement of each other. And why? So that we don't fall victim to some crazy doctrine and that we don't fall out of unity with each other. And let me take it up, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When I hear that statement, the whole point of speaking truth in love is so that we can unite as one body to function as his church uh, on a foundation of love, on a foundation of love. Speaking truth in love is not an easy or an excuse for us to tell people what we really think. Speaking truth in love, the result should be a unity so that we can function as the body of Christ and do what Christ has called us to do. Truth and love to me, it means this. It means knowing what to say. It means knowing when to say it. It means knowing how to say it. It, may, it means knowing where I should say it. It means knowing if I should say it. And it even means when not to say it. I think sometimes truth and love takes a little bit more wisdom than just saying, I'm gonna be able to say whatever I want, whenever I want. In fact, truth and love might very well be, truth and love might very well be one of the most hijacked and abused scriptures in the Bible. In fact, it might be an excuse for people to say what they want, when they want, how they want, to whoever they want, 
And by they, I mean, they have to deal with the truth that I dumped on them regardless of the consequences and I have no accountability to it. I just get to say my truth and off I go. I don't think that's the spirit in which truth should be delivered. Truth that's spoken, not on a foundation of love, might not get the result that we're looking for or believing for. Or more dangerously, maybe it does. Maybe it is getting the result because of what's actually really in our heart. My prayer is that I would, with whatever truth that I wanna share or challenge someone is that I would say, you know what? Before I make a judgment, before I call someone out, God, search my heart that, that this is not about me, but this is truly in a spirit on a foundation of love to serve that person so that they can be unified as a functioning part of the body of Christ and that they can be reconciled in the healthiest way in their relationship to Christ. We might be very passionate about the truth that we have, but also we can be very loose in our definition of love. We're very passionate about truth and love, that statement, it keeps ringing true and you might hear it all the time. We're very passionate about this is our truth. We know it very clear, but we're very loose in our definition of what love is. We don't focus a lot on that part. Love is the spirit in which truth should be delivered. It should be delivered in a spirit of love. And so the person that we're serving is not being, being called out and made feel guilty and shameful and bad and so on. Let me uh, back that up scripturally for you. The spirit of love in which something should be delivered. It's 1 Corinthians, the famous passage, 1 Corinthians 13, four to seven, it says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every, every, and in case you missed it, it endures through every circumstance, no matter what America goes through, no matter what you and that friend and that family member go through. Love endures through every circumstance. I spoke a, a word around the beginning of March in 2020, and it was a, a message that I believe was an important message for Exchange Church. And it was right about the time where uh, Black Lives Matter protests were happening all across America. There was uh, a lot of unrest and there was a lot of, uh, it was crazy times. And the word that God put on my heart and uh, I couldn't shake it, although I had many different options of things that I could have preached about, the one thing that I really felt that God put on my heart that was a God word was to speak on unity. And it might not have been the most popular thing at that time to talk about, and it might not have made a lot of sense to talk about that, but I can obviously say that if I look back across over 2020, and even right until this moment, one of the greatest challenges that our church and the church is facing is unity. You know, unity is going to be tested within the church because it's one of the enemy's strategies to tear apart the church. The good news is, the great news is, is that the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
Jesus is in charge and will return for his church. You know, I, I heard a lot of people uh, because in that season and still potentially even to this day who was really upset about what was said or what was not said from the platform of that church. And maybe, and some of these people have been in relationship with this church for, for many, many years, 10, 15, some 20 years, and just like that, got offended, broke unity and just left and, and went somewhere else. And I kind of got a feeling that is not God's plan. God wants his church to be in unity because why? And this is the passage of scripture that I used over and over and over again. It's uh, Psalm 133 and I kind of paraphrased it here, but listen to it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity together, to dwell together in unity. Uh, for, the, for there the Lord commanded the blessing the Lord command, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Paraphrased, of course. You know, I believe that unity is one of the key things that keeps the church in a position of strength to continue to go forward. I did speak about the importance of unity, but I didn't speak about how to create unity. And so today I wanna to take a, just a moment quickly to talk about the importance of unity. It's 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all, talking about how to create unity. I see us all sitting around with legs crossed in a circle or holding hands and just humming the word unity over and over again. I don't think it's going to create unity. But 1 Peter 4.8 has an important key here that we can see. Uh, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Romans 12.9 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Most important of all is to have a deep love for each other. You wanna create unity in a church? Then work towards loving each other. You know, I think right now, in Romans 12, nine again, I'll read that, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. Would you like to know what will be included on a long list of things that would be considered evil? Disunity. Would you like to know what the enemy would use as a weapon to tear down a church and churches is disunity. If he can create a spirit of disunity, and why would disunity be allowed? It's because there's no love. And their love is taken out and people uh, at each other, they start focusing on each other's shortcomings, each other's humanity, instead of focusing on our kingdom mission that God has put us on. The, that one word, unity, when I think about it, it stops me from saying that we are an Asian church or we are a white church or we are a black church. It stops me from saying that we are Hispanic, uh, we are a rich people only church or we are a poor people only church. It stops me from saying that we are a Democrat or a Republican church. Why? Because we are his church. And we, we, we do not unify over those external things. We unify over who Christ is and we unify over the resurrection that Jesus died and rose again. It's on that foundation that we unify together to do what God's called us to do. Now, I've said this before, but I think we don't have, in America right now, we don't have a racism problem, we don't have a social injustice or a financial injustice problem and all these different issues. We don't have, all, think of all any crime, uh, all the stuff that you can, we have a love problem. The issue is love. We will love people until we disagree with them. We'll, I'll love you until 
we, we have a disagreement about this topic or this hot topic, and that's what, but you know, I don't believe that that's the spirit of the church. I don't believe that as men and women of God, that we are to think and behave in that way. Look at John 15, 12, it says, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other, that's his command as I have loved you. Now, when I think about the type of love that's in scripture, the Bible talks of four different kinds of love. One is storge, which is an empathy bond, a phile, which is a friendship love, eros, which is a romantic love, and agape, that's an unconditional love, the love of God, an unconditional love. I've got a feeling that when Jesus is talking about we should love each other the way he loves us, I've got a feeling he's talking about agape love, and what does that mean? That means that my love for someone else is unconditional. It means that when I disagree with what they say, or I don't understand completely why they did what they did, or why they posted what they did, or why they are holding strong to this position, even though I may think it's foolishness, I have a responsibility and a commandment from Jesus to love them with an agape, unconditional love. I wonder, are we showing that kind of love? Are we, ex are we expressing and, and showing and demonstrating the agape, unconditional love of Christ in someone else's life, even though they don't deserve it? There's a great scripture and story about this, the prodigal son. What happens? The prodigal son, he goes out, it's in Luke chapter 15, he goes out, he takes the father's inheritance, and what does he do? He spends it. He wastes it, he buys prostitutes, he throws wild parties until he finds himself at rock bottom in mud with the pigs. And he has he's lost everything. And, and so now fast forward the story and he decides, he comes to his senses and he decides to return home to his father. And it says this in Luke 15, 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, dry age, here and kill it and let, let us eat and be merry for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. You know what? That prodigal son deserved the wrath and judgment of his brother, but he received the love of a father. How much more should we show that same love to the people that are in our world right now? There's a lot of posts that are on our social media. I mean, I, on, the, on the 6th of January, especially for me, and the 7th and the 8th, every single post was about, was political, it was negative, it was, a, it was every single post. I wonder, and I would never ask anyone to post something uh, on their own Facebook or Instagram page, you can do your own thing, and of course, but I wonder every now and then, maybe if we all just decided, hey, I'm just gonna post 1 Corinthians 13, uh, and we're gonna talk about the love of God instead, and we're gonna talk about the solution, we're gonna talk and focus on the medication, the, the one that can bring healing, that can bring true change, the one that can see this whole mess turned upside down. I wonder if we started to focus on that, how much things would actually begin to shift. I wonder, not just talking about in the world, I'm talking about in our world, the part of the world in which we do our life. I'm talking about the people that we interact with and have conversations with on a daily basis. I wonder if we started to be people 
that were the solution in terms of the love of Christ. We didn't make it all political. We didn't make it all about this topic or, or that topic. And we get caught up in the hot, hot mic conversations. But we actually just said, you know what? Let me tell you, let me focus on and talk to you about God's love and what it really is like and what it really means and what the impact it's had on my life. I believe that's when we'll see absolutely incredible change in other people's lives. Well, my prayer is this, is that in 2021, I'm praying that we're gonna see a whole bunch of people continue to encounter Christ. In, 20, in 2020, it wouldn't have made sense that Exchange Church continued to grow. We grew by 47 households over 2020, which is unbelievable. In fact, it just baffles me, the grace and the goodness of God. We out, as a church, we out gave and we out grew 20, uh, 2019. We continue to go forward. God is on the move. And so I wanna make sure that you know that information, that you're encouraged, so that as we go forward into 2021, we do it with vision in our heart and passion and conviction to continue to press in. Don't give up the fight, stay focused on what God has called us to, what God has called you to. I believe that we are here on this planet to know God, to make him known, to build his church and to bring heaven to earth. If it's not us that do it, who else is gonna do it? God has set us aside and set us apart for such time as this. These days are exciting times and a great opportunity for his church to rise up and be the solution, not be the victim, not be just parroting whatever some news station has to say. No, I wanna know what the word of God has to say and that's where true hope is and that's where people, that's what people can cling to in times of desperation. We serve a amazing God who is madly in love with us and is relentlessly pursuing us. And if you don't know and have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna tell you right from the outset, it is the most incredible, amazing relationship that you can ever have. It will be the best decision to be a follower of Jesus that you can ever make, the best decision that you will ever make in your whole life. And so this morning or today, I would love to give you an opportunity. If you say, you know what, I'm good. I'm in my relationship with God. I pray and he speaks back. I read and the words jump off the page. I worship and I feel his presence. But maybe you say it once was like that, but now it's not. And so I would love to pray with you today to reconcile you back into relationship with God. Maybe you've never made a decision. Maybe someone just <laughs> forwarded you this uh, YouTube link or, or, or whatsoever and, and now you're listening to this uh, crazy Australian. Well, I wanna say this morning is that God loves you. Jesus died for you. There is purpose to your life. You're not an accident. Maybe you've been lied to and that's what you've been told, that you were created by God and the purpose of life is to be in relationship with God, to know God. And so this morning, I would love to give an opportunity for you to say a simple prayer to get you connected to God. And you know, uh, it's a simple prayer, but pray it from your heart to God and know God will hear these words. So won't we all pray this prayer together? Dear God, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness for all the times that I've hurt you and all the times that I've hurt others. Holy Spirit, help me and guide me to live each day for you. And so from my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Fantastic. Well, 
If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at hello at exchangecc.com and we'd love to get you connected. We'd love to get you connected to one of our amazing community group leaders who would love to journey with you so you just don't make a decision and have an experience. We'd love for you to build a relationship with God and we've got people that love to get you connected to tell their stories about what God has done in their life. And so it's exciting. The best days are yet to come. God is on the move. There is great stuff for 2021 that God has in store for us. Stay tuned over the next coming few weeks. We're gonna start to unpack some of the vision of what we are believing for in 2021. The church is not asleep or dead or shut down. The church is open. We're going forward. We're gonna see God do incredible things in 2021. I pray that you have a fantastic week and we shall see you next Sunday.